We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always challenges in, in, in trying to do both. And, and that's why I do think you have to have your eye on both things. And I think that means you have to be opportunistic when, when decisions come up that allow you to do both. But... You know, as far as competing on the field, um, we have great players, and um, this group's been together for a while. Um, I know there's frustration by how things have ended the last few years, but I think at some point you do have to look at the at the bigger picture. And you know, we did win the division this year. Um, we are really talented, um, and so uh, I think we can do both. Um, but it does probably mean being a little bit opportunistic at, at certain times. Hub Arkish on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you so much for being with me this evening. I can't believe two hours have flown by already. It's why I love working here so much and getting to visit with the best sports fans in the world right here in Chicago. That was the voice of the new Chicago Cubs Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations, Jed Hoyer. Uh, talking uh, just last week about where they're at and what the plan may be, uh, and here to help us understand that, as well as what's going on with the Chicago White Sox, our resident senior baseball expert here at The Score and the host of Inside the Clubhouse every Saturday morning, Bruce Levine. And Bruce, thank you, as always, for taking time out for me this evening. And uh, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Everybody who listens knows I'm a Cubs fan, a longtime ticket holder, uh, live and die with them. Uh, but let's be honest, the White Sox may be the more compelling story right now. And I know our Sox fans are anxious to understand uh, what Rick Hahn and Tony La Russa and company are doing. So a lot of people focused on the Cubs non-tendering uh, Kyle Schwarber. We'll get to that in a minute. I was a little surprised by the Carlos Rodon situation. I, I know he's been injured the better part of the last couple of years. I, I guess they wonder, you know, how much they have left. But we're talking about a, uh, a former very high number one pick who has shown flashes of brilliance and a team that is still looking to add more pitching. So tell me, if you will, what your thoughts are about that decision. Well, first of all, good evening, Hub. Always a pleasure to, to be with you. And second of all, can you imagine the number three and four pick of the 2014 draft, both non-tendered by Chicago teams yesterday? Number three was Carlos Rodon. Number four was Kyle Schwarber, both uh, basically released by their teams yesterday after um, being highly touted and uh, highly important to uh, both of their teams. But going directly to Rodon, it was a question of uh, not being able to stay on the field healthy. Uh, this is a guy that... Um, you know, was 
going to take over the rotation of being the, the ace of the staff when Chris Sale was traded. And uh, he's been hurt every year since 2016. First, it was a, a shoulder surgery, then Tommy John, then continuous back and shoulder problems. So he, he's really never been able to uh, to stay on the field for a whole season. And they felt that the $5 million that they were going to have to pay him this year through the arbitration process was better repurposed somewhere else. And the same went with uh, Nomar Mazzara, who uh, came in here highly touted in a trade from Texas last year and uh, hit one homer and drove in 15 runs. They're going to use that money to, to get players they think will hopefully be better and uh, fit in better for them in 2021. I, you know, I know that it's going to be uh, interesting free agent markets for all sports uh, the, this coming off season because of all the tremendous revenue hits that these teams have taken. But I, I got to believe there's going to be a market for Rodon, isn't there? If he can pass physicals, I mean, you know, somebody's going to going to see Jake Arrieta here or something like that. Well, there'll be a market, uh, but, you know, you have to slow your roll when you're talking about a guy that's been injured for five years mm-hmm. and uh, and knowing that you don't know what your revenues are going to be. I think he'll have plenty of teams interested in a left-hander that's only 28 years old and may have his best years ahead of him. But that said, um, how much money are, and how many years are you going to throw that way? Uh, this is a guy that, you know, had tremendous potential and is, it's just not ever arrived. So... Um, again, beauty is eyes is in the eyes of the beholder. Someone else will look at him. It might be the Chicago Cubs only eight miles away and say, you know what? For one year and uh, $3 million, we might have our number three starter. Let's give him a shot. I know that there was a lot of excitement about Mazzara when they made the deal last year. They felt that they had a at least three or four tool player to, to fill that right field spot. Now they're still looking to solidify right field and giving up on Mazzara pretty quickly. I, you know, it's the thing I wonder about Bruce with, with all these sports again, but maybe even more so baseball than any of the others. I just can't take what happened this year that seriously, the way the season went with the restrictions that they were dealing mm-hmm. with and, and the situations they were playing in. Are, are they giving up on Mazzara too quickly, uh, having not, yet, not yet necessarily having solved their right field problem? Well, there's one thing that we don't know about that I can't report, and that is never saw him in the clubhouse after March 8th till the end of the year because there was no clubhouse for media to, to visit. So I don't know if there were uh, circumstances beyond just his failure on the field that they were not happy with. Uh, that hasn't been shared. It hasn't been uh, investigated. It hasn't been documented. So we, we only know the, the end game of the reporting, and that is they're not offering him a contract. As to whether he was doing other things that weren't up to uh, you know what they wanted to do from a player, we don't know that. Down the road, maybe we'll find that out. But... In reality, you know, the money is going to go somewhere else. And they let a 26-year-old guy go after trading, a, a, you know, what they consider a pretty top prospect for him. And uh, that, that's it. But they're on a mission. That mission is to win a World Series. And uh, they're going to bring in players they think can help them win. I think one thing that's going to be very interesting, uh, Bruce, is that you've got Lucas Giolito uh, eligible for arbitration. And... and you know, I know that, that Jerry Reinsdorf, Michael Reinsdorf, they, they've said we're spending money. You, you know, we're going for it here. They've spent some money uh, already, uh, you know, on, on, on players, uh, you know, certainly uh, like Jose Abreu, who obviously was worth the money. 
Um, but Giolito, I would think, is going to break the bank somewhat. How arbitration? I got to believe it can't be based strictly on their numbers from this past season. I guess it could be, but it seems like that would be a little bit unfair, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that's exactly the problem that uh, people are having out there, both the uh, agents for the players, the Players Association, and baseball, to decide what the real number is after 60 games. Normally, you know, you're compared to uh, uh, comparable statistics from a whole year before that. And as you say, uh, do you want to really take the 60-game season? Is that really an indication of what a player's worth is? Basically, two months of a baseball season. So uh, they are having a difficult time figuring out what the right arbitration numbers are going to be for these players. And it's one of the many problems that they have, including not knowing what the rules are going to be, because most of it has to be negotiated through uh, the CBA this time around. It cannot be implemented by Major League Baseball. You know, the one player that they were not willing to quit on yet was uh, Ronaldo Lopez. I think not a lot of certainty as to which way they were going to go there. Um, apparently decided that, that maybe with the new pitching coach, Katz, they wanted to at least take a shot, at least one more shot with him? I think that's right. And, uh, you know, over the last year, um, Lopez trained with uh, Giolito and um, with uh, Flaherty, the Cardinals ace, in California at their, their agent's uh, facility uh, trying to, uh, you know, recoup on a bad 2019 season. Didn't work out much better for him this year, but uh, with the arm that he has and the ability he showed in 2018, uh, they feel exactly what you said, Hub. With a new pitching coach and a new approach to uh, the way that they deal with pitchers, they want to give uh, Lopez at least one more year uh, under the new the new pitching coach, Katz, to uh, try to figure it out. So, you know, it's really interesting. I, again, they do want to stabilize right field. I'm sure you always want to add another uh, another batter two to the lineup. But at the end of the day, this rotation is obviously going to be, you know, headlined by, by Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel. After that, I mean, you're looking at, at, at you know, Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease and Dane Dunning, uh, you know, maybe Lopez. I mean, the ceilings on these kids – are unbelievable. You could have one of the great rotations in baseball uh, if they get to those ceilings or near them. But the flip side is that none of them are really guaranteed at least right. this year to approach those ceilings. And so I got to believe they're going to bring in a couple of veteran free agents and, and some of these kids are going to have to wait. Well, not only wait, but, uh, you know, there's a bullpen, uh, you know, to continue to learn your trade in. There's a fifth and sixth starter spot, depending on how teams want to approach it these days with all the different uh, relievers and how quickly they come in. So, uh, you, you know, the old adage always stays, right? You never have enough pitching. You know, that that's tried and true. We know what you think you have isn't always what you have. There's injury. There's a lack of uh, living up to your uh, abilities. All those things happen. So uh, the, the White Sox will definitely go after and get a top of the rotation pitcher to go along with Keuchel uh, and with Giolito. Um, will it be Bauer and will they spend $30 million a year on Bauer? Probably not because they have some other work to do that they'd like to spend their money on. And one of it is bringing in uh, at least one left-handed hitter to replace Mazzara because of the balance in the lineup. Uh, you know, from their starting lineup last year, they only had uh, 11 home runs from the left side of the plate. Uh, 
And uh, even though it was 60 games, that was a startlingly low number. So from that perspective, uh, you know, a guy like Carl Schwarber would be somebody that they would consider. Now, can you have an outfield of um, Schwarber in right, Robert in center, and Eloy in left? I mean, Robert's a great center fielder. He's already won a gold glove as a rookie, but can he cover that much ground? I don't know. So uh, that will have to be answered down the line here. But certainly a bat like Carl Schwarber's uh, would be uh, something that the White Sox would consider. Yeah, and and so that's a good segue to head north. Uh, although I got to tell you, people need to remember uh, the Chicago Cubs in 2016, uh, for all of the young talent that blossomed at the same time, they were historically great on defense and, and probably one of the major reasons that they won that World Series. Mm-hmm. And, and, and an outfield with with Eloy in, in left and Kyle in right would kind of scare the hell out of me, to be honest with you. I just, I don't, I don't know if you, I mean, you know, Kyle made himself a decent left fielder. Um, and I understand yeah. what the Cubs are doing here, but, but man, mm-hmm. and he's got the arm for right field. But but boy, I just that that would that would worry me if that was my defensive lineup. Yeah, out there. I mean you're talking you're talking about 80 home runs. You're going to have to score a lot of runs to negate maybe some balls dropping in in that type of an outfield. Yeah, I mean it certainly is interesting. And, and just talking about the situation with the Cubs and with Schwarber, um, as, as I've already just said, I tend to throw out all the numbers from this past season. I just don't think it's fair, uh, you know, to measure these guys in these impossible situations. But even going back a year or two before that, um, you know, he gave you some of the power numbers you wanted, uh, became an adequate left fielder. Um, but but just, you know, you, you can't have an adequate left fielder who's a 220, 230 hitter. And and it's 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 hard to believe that it's been five years now since 2016, and it's impossible for those of us diehards to forget the amazing impact that Schwarber had on that team coming back for that World Series, but he just hasn't become the player that you thought he was going to become, and, and yet I still wonder, mm-hmm. Bruce, they couldn't they they couldn't get a prospect for him if they had tendered him and then traded him. Uh, well, I mean, they could have. I think they were trying to trade him before the deadline uh, for arbitration, and they were, you know, other 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 teams were pretty stealth, you know, in the fact that, or they might be stealth in the fact that they uh, said, hey, why should we pay nine million dollars a year for him? He might be a free agent in a couple of days, and such is the case. Now teams can uh, offer what they want to Schwarber on the open market and make a deal that makes sense to them, rather than having a $9 million deal for a player they only had contract control over for one more year before he became a free agent. So that's why it was difficult to trade Schwarber. The fact that uh, you were only going to get him for one year and you were going to have to pay $9 million bucks. You think there's any chance? We know he loves Chicago. Uh, you know He's going to sign somewhere and probably not going to get a long-term deal. Do you think there's any chance he still remains a Cub? I mean, where does he play? Uh, you're, you're back to yesterday. Well, he's worth four million, but he's not worth nine. Or, hey, um, he hit 188. Um, you know, even though he had a breakout year in 2019 with 38 homers and uh, 92 RBI, who is Kyle Schwarber, and what can we count on in the future? And are we better off spending our money elsewhere for a, a Michael Brantley or for George Springer and putting money together uh, from money that we saved from people leaving this year and being non non-tendered. 
Um, those are the things that they have to look at. I, I, I know pretty much for a fact that Cubs aren't going to have a lot of money to spend uh, because they, lost, they, were, they probably lost as much or more revenue than 25, 26 of the teams uh, last year, and they can't identify what the revenue is going to be next year, except to count on you to come in and uh, buy your season tickets, Hub. So yeah, I have a question about that, though, Bruce. When we say they've lost as much as anybody, isn't some of that because of all they decided to spend because they had to rebuild their neighborhood and they had to have their own TV network? No, this, I mean, this is money that they lost last year from not being able to monetize the game day situation. The 70% mm-hmm. of their revenues came from game day operations, and that's what we found out from Mr. Ricketts last year. So that's where the, the big losses came from. I'm not saying they're crying poor and that uh, they're going out of business and that the Ricketts family is going to sell. I'm just telling you that, you know, there was a, you know, a huge decrease. Like any business that wants to continue to operate, they want to know what their revenues are for next year. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what their revenues are going to be this year. Do you know if there's going to be fans in the stands? Do I? Do any of the fans know that? No, we don't. And if that's the case, uh, they're going to be facing, you know, a, a situation where they're going to have to give Jed Hoyer a budget and then say, how do we get to this budget when we don't know what our revenues are going to be? All right. So when we talked a couple of weeks ago, your strong suspicion, and I've since talked to Gonzo and he completely agreed with you, Mark Gonzalez, uh, that they're, they're going to have to trade a good player or two and that the most likely suspect is Chris Bryant. Uh, the reason they tendered him, of course, is he's just too good to put on the market uh, without either keeping him or at least being able to trade him. He will still command some prospects from other teams. Um, but based on the restrictions that you just talked about, what should Cub fans expect this year? I mean, we just heard Jed talking about, you know, we still have some really good players, but we have to be opportunistic. Is there any way they can work this way through, work their way through this and still be competitive this coming year and, and, and maybe be a playoff team that can win a series or two again? I think yes, only because you look at the division, okay? It's not a very impressive division, even though four teams made the playoffs. Uh, there weren't a lot of really good teams in the division or in the mm-hmm. league to be honest with you. So uh, from 60 games last year, I, I wasn't impressed with any of those other teams. I was impressed that the Cardinals could get through that COVID season and uh, and actually make it to the playoffs. I thought that was impressive, but they were a 500 team. So, and so was the rest of the division. The Cubs were, you know, they were, I think, 34 and uh, 26. So, you know, again, how much credence you put into it, I think the Cubs are still right there with the other teams having not made any moves at this point, and they can win their division. That doesn't mean they're going to be the best team in the National League or among the first two or or three of the best teams in the National League, but they could still win their division, and that's that's going to be their goal, and their their goal is going to get to be to try to get younger and more more contract controllable. Those are things that they're going to be looking at, but again – most of the time when you're doing that, you have a minor league system that's ready to give you players to play at the big league level. We do not see those ready right now. All right, so before I let you go, and I don't even know if you can answer this, but but do you have any guess as to what the rotation could even be, you know, once you get past Darvish and Hendricks? Well, you know, uh, Alec Mills is probably going to be in the mix. Uh, Adbert Alzale is going to be in the mix. Um 
We don't know um, after that. Uh, you know, Braylon Marquez is their top young pitcher, but he hasn't pitched much past Class A ball, so he's going to need at least another year in the minor leagues. Um, it's going to be uh, what, what's available on that free agent market. What can we afford? Uh, can we get back two or three young pitchers in a trade for Chris Bryant if that's the way we want to go? Uh, I don't see Javier Baez being traded. I just think that uh, he's their all-star shortstop. There's going to be a ton of shortstops available. There's three right now this year. <coughs> excuse, excuse me. Uh, and then there's going to be all-stars. Uh, you know, there, there's going to be four all-star shortstops available besides Baez next year uh, on the uh, free agent market. So it would be uh, it would be advisable for both the Cubs and Baez to cut some type of a long-term deal right now. All righty, Bruce. Anything special planned for inside the clubhouse Saturday? You guys still working? Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Craig uh, Breslow, who's uh, uh, the director of pitching for the Chicago Cubs and also just named an assistant general manager. And uh, Jim Bowden from uh, CBS Sports and from uh, uh, Home Plate, which is a XM uh, Sirius XM Baseball's channel, will be joining us as well to talk a little baseball. Might have a White Sox guest or two along the way. We're waiting to hear from that. Matt Spiegel and I on Saturday from 9 to 11. Hub, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All righty, guys. That's Bruce Levine. Don't miss Inside the Clubhouse every Saturday, starting this Saturday. The Hot Stove League is a fish officially open, I just want to say, uh, with the decisions on free agents made yesterday. We are going to spend the rest of my time with you the next half hour or so on the phones together, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We've had a great lineup of guests so far this evening. I was going to ignore it, but that's not right. I talked about the top of the show. For those of you who have been with me in the beginning, uh, Wani, Dave Wanstead was going to join us. Unfortunately, he got tied up. He's not going to make it tonight. We'll do that the next chance we get. Right now, it is you and me for the next half hour plus. Again, 312-644-6767 is the phone number to either call or text. I'm looking forward to visiting with you all right after this quick commercial break. I'm very comfortable going to spring training because I think that we're in a very, very good position to win. At the end of the day, winning games is, is all that matters. And I think that with our coaching staff, you know, with, with the players we have, how far we've come kind of putting that all together. It puts us in a really, really good spot. Go White Sox. (laughs) All right, guys, is it just me or does Lucas Giolito sound more like your high school English teacher than one of the best young pitchers in baseball? I I don't know why. I mean, I've heard him before, but he never sounded quite that way to me before. That was Lucas Giolito talking about going to spring training with where the White Sox are at right now we've been talking bears nfl we've been talking bulls and nba we've been talking mlb and some cubs and white Sox. whatever is on your mind it's your turn now to dial us up and get on the phones and let me know what you would like to talk about and first up we're going to head out to mendota and welcome mike into the program mike how you doing good Hub. thank you how are you i'm good thank you um, first, I want to compliment you on the transition that you've made from covering football as an expert to doing a really fine job with the baseball information. I really enjoy the baseball talk, and anytime you guys uh, get into some MLB issues, it's it's really interesting. I think you're doing a really good job there. 
Thank you, Mike. Um, you're welcome. Um, I agree with you, and I think Bruce might have been leaning toward agreeing with you that Kyle Schwarber might have been overrated since he was drafted, and maybe the Cubs made a smart move move with him by uh, non-tendering him because he's possibly going to come out of the market as a six or six and a half million dollar player rather than nine million. My question to you is, do you think the Cubs owners, uh, the Ricketts family, and the uh, the administration, the the front office, do you think they're in a position to to put this team out on the field next year to be a 90, 95 win team, or are they just going to see what the market does and, um, you know, everything with the economic situation and so forth? And if you're – and as a Cubs fan, are you satisfied with the Rickers' performance? Well, Mike, yes, I have to be satisfied with the Ricketts' performance because they gave us a World Series after we waited 108 years. And, and it, it, you know, when you when you kind of put it in that context, it was such a momentous, gigantic accomplishment. You know, I think that we're all going to be disappointed five, ten years from now when we're looking back on the 16 Cubs in the exact same sentence with the 85 Bears, two teams that should have won more than once and didn't. But – that said, um, uh, you know, what they accomplished in winning that World Series in 2016 isn't just one of the greatest sports moments of my life as an older guy. It's going to be one of the greatest sports moments of my kids and my grandkids' lives. Uh, you know, my kids are now in, in their mid-30s to early 40s, and they spent their whole lives waiting. And, and so we have to be grateful for that, regardless of what else happens. Now, that said... It has been pretty clear to me ever since 2016 that they've been more concerned with their checkbook than with winning another World Series. And, and so that does disappoint me. And, and my answer to your question about what I think they're focused on for 2021 is I think they're focused on losing as little or making as much money as they can far more than they are on how many games the team wins or loses. Uh, you know, if, if they were committed to, to making one more run, then they would have just said the hell with it. They would have tendered Schwarber. They'd be in the free agent market. They would have given Theo some money to work with this past season prior to knowing what they were getting into. You know, going into last season, forgetting what happened with the pandemic, you knew that the Cubs had done nothing to try and improve themselves uh, over where they finished so disappointingly in 2019. And now, you know, we just heard talking to Bruce that, that they're not going to throw any money at it this year either. And, and and I understand, you know, that they're good business people and, and, and that they're not, you know, we as fans are not charity cases. They shouldn't just lose a fortune to make us happy. Um, but they have, uh, from where I sit, focused far more on increasing the value of their organization by, you know, they're gentrifying the neighborhood and starting their television network, which, by the way, I think is a horrible idea and I don't think is going to be a big money maker or a big, you know, revenue builder, uh, value builder for them um, than they have been in winning baseball games. And, um, you know, I, I can't say that I think that's why Theo Epstein left. I, I, I think that Theo said coming in, you know, 10 years is about it you know, that he thinks you really can, can function with any one organization. He only made it through nine, but it was a good time to leave. So I don't think it was so much about the money for him. 
Um, but I, I, I do, I am grateful to the Ricketts, uh, for what they've done since they bought the team. Uh, but I am not confident that they're going to give us as good a future as they could if they were willing to continue to make a significant commit, commitment to winning because that doesn't appear to be what they're doing right now. Now, that said, there is one other thing, though. It is not their fault that Theo left with the farm system barren, uh, you know, and, and that's the simple reality of it. Uh, it's, you know, they did a great job in the teardown in those five consecutive first round picks that they made, you know, three of them became very significant contributors um, as well as, you know, other players that they brought in. But when they got here, the farm system was barren and Theo leaves with the farm system. I mean, you know, there may be some good prospects down there at the very low levels, the 18, 19 year old kids. um, But the pitching that they need to contend right now just simply is not there. And that I think is very disappointing, Mike. Um, let's get one more call in before we have to break again. Ron has checked in from Edgewater. Ron, how you doing tonight? Fine, yourself? Good, thank you. Okay, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think I was I was uh, talking with your producer about, I don't think until the Bears, uh, until they actually admit, I don't think they believe that the uh, the colossal mistake, you know, without beating on Trubisky and Nagy for, but but the mistake of I'm I'm trying to find out and I've heard these people say that well they had scouts that put him ahead of Mahomes and the other thing but you had a quarterback that was in two championship games he won one of them where does a a, a quarterback that played in a not any really major bowl games from a team that's not even known for football how does he get ahead on the depth chart of 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 a, a grade one prospect I'm trying to figure that one out. <laughs> you know, Ron, um, I mean, I, I'm going to answer the question for you, but I don't agree with the answer. Uh, it, my my partners on our, uh, our our Bet Rivers pregame and, and prop swap postgame shows, Patrick Manley and Dan Pompey, and I, with the three of us, were sitting together with Joniak and Thayer. I believe we were at Kelly's Pub. I want to say out on the south side, the night of that draft. And and I can tell you, and and I know I've rehashed this a thousand times on the air. A lot of people just don't want to hear it. Um, but, but what we do at pro football weekly better than anything else. And many people will tell you better than anybody else is the draft with the exception of the 32 NFL teams. I mean, they're the professionals, uh, we're, we're, we're journalists, but, but we pretty much invented independent draft, uh, analysis at pro football weekly. And, and so our sources are good. We, we work it real hard. And I had talked to, to people in the know with all 32 teams, as I do every year leading up to that draft. And there were only three teams that would acknowledge that they had Patrick Mahomes as the number one quarterback prospect. The Chiefs were one of them. The other 29 teams all had Deshaun Watson and uh, Mitch Trubisky rated ahead of Mahomes. So I can't I, I can't go after Ryan Pace for for you know, missing on Mahomes because pretty much everybody else did too, except the Chiefs, who obviously uh, are reaping the rewards now um, because not only did they trade up to get him, but they traded up to take him ahead of Deshaun Watson. But the, the, the other 29 teams were split somewhat evenly over whether Trubisky or Watson was the number one quarterback prospect. Again, the Bears were not even close to the only ones who had Mitch that high. I could not understand how any team could rank Trubisky ahead of Watson coming out of college that year based on what Watson had done um, you know, in college, playing in those two championship games, the record that he had compiled. And, and, and so 
I, I don't get it. I, I will tell you that what Ryan Pace did in each of his first three drafts with top 10 picks, he valued traits over production and accomplishment in college. He was looking at ceilings. He was looking at the highest ceilings. He saw the athletes that he was getting at their positions in Kevin White and Leonard Floyd uh, and Mitch Trubisky. And a lot of people, you know, like those players as well. I was really troubled by the fact that Kevin White had only had the one big year at West Virginia. I was troubled by the fact that while Leonard Floyd athletically looked like he could be a great pass rusher, he wasn't at Georgia. He was an inside linebacker there, and they were projecting a position switch. And I always worry about that when you do it. And then looking at Trubisky, I didn't doubt the traits that Pace was seeing. But I couldn't understand why he wasn't good enough to get the starting job at North Carolina, you know, let alone being the number one quarterback prospect in the NFL. Marquise Williams, who held him off for two years, never even stuck on a practice squad in the NFL. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you know, to me, it was predictable that Deshaun Watson absolutely should have been the pick. Watson is not the surefire franchise quarterback right now that Mahomes is, but he's been to a couple Pro Bowls. He's obviously very good. And it is a mistake that, that Ryan Pace will own for the rest of his career, whether he wins Super Bowls here in Chicago or not. So thank you very much for the phone call, Ron. We're going to get out to Glendale Heights and Tom in just a moment. Tom, please hang on. We have to take a very quick commercial break. Anybody wants to join Tom on the line, it's 312-644-6767. We are back in just a moment right here at The Score. I'm just trying not to be frustrated. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's hard. You want to go out there and try to, you know, do it the day you can, but you still got to be a team player. You know, you got to go out and execute your job, your job to the best ability. Uh, but, you know, we want to switch things up now a little bit, you know, talk to coach and, you know, want to get back to the things, you know, we was doing early on in the season. So that's that's the main focus for us. You know, just everybody just buying in. We holding each other accountable and just taking care of your box, you know, taking care of your job, attention to details, and you feel like the turnover to come. Paul Barkish on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. I am Hub, and it has been a joy being with you this evening. We've got a few more minutes. Mike Rankin producing and working with me tonight. An outstanding job. What a great lineup of guests he put together for us, as well as getting all you guys on and off the phone. We've got one more call uh, before we wrap it up. Tom is out in Glendale Heights, and Tom, appreciate you joining us this evening. How you doing? I'm doing quite well, Hub. How are you? Happy holidays. Thank you. Same to you. So, like, uh, you know, as a Bears fan, I, I think that we need to go through a complete and total rebuild. I know that a lot of people don't want to, you know, talk about that, but I think it's the only way to fix this team completely. And I'm looking at trading guys off of the defense and for draft picks. You start with guys that are tradable. Like, Akeem Hicks is tradable. Kyle Fuller is tradable. They're on one-year deals. Of course, you're going to ask the question, what are you going to get for them? You know, like a, maybe a fourth-round pick for each of them. So you're not going to get a great return. But then you look at Khalil Mack, and everybody kind of freaks out about his dead cap hit next year of $37 million, which is true. It is, it's a problem, but it's not an impossible thing. It just means that there are certain teams you can't trade to. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams like the Colts, the Dolphins, the Cardinals. There might be two or three other teams that you maybe could trade Khalil Mack to. You know, obviously, are they interested in it? Those are different things. That, you know, they should be. He's a great player. But the point is, is it, why can't the Bears trade Khalil Mack and a lot of players from the defense for draft picks in order to do a complete rebuild? Is it possible? 
Well, Tom, I'm confused. Why would you trade Akeem Hicks or Kyle Fuller for a fourth round draft pick? I mean, what are you accomplishing? Well, but I'm because I'm I believe I'm going through a complete rebuild. So I'm the only guys on the defense I'm not willing to trade are maybe like uh, you know Roquan Smith and like you know Johnson the rookie. I, 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 we are going to be awful next year in my scenario. I completely agree with that. But I'm getting picks so that I can rebuild the offensive line. Eventually I'm going to have to rebuild the defense anyways because I'm trading those defensive players. But I'm doing a complete and total rebuild. So I'm getting those fourth-round picks to maybe I can get a right tackle with one of those picks, maybe a guard to totally rebuild, you know, all right, so next next question for you. Who's doing this rebuild? Ryan Pace? Uh, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Um, okay, so I, who who you who you replacing Ryan Pace with? Okay, so I so you know I I've heard some people say that they would bring in like I'm not saying I would do this. They would they would bring in like Peyton Manning. Honestly, I was thinking about this. Two two guys came to mind. I am hiring a president, and then he hires the GM. I'm picking either Olin Krutz. Or I'm picking Tom Thayer. <laughs> All right, two of my dear friends. But what is their experience in hiring NFL executives? I mean, uh, you know, Tom, I, I get where you're going with all this, but 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 these are the questions that need to be asked before you undertake something like this, okay? And um, I, I would love to see. Uh, I, I think that Olin could possibly be the best offensive line coach in football. Um, I know that Tom could absolutely coach. I actually thought that both of these guys would end up coaching before they pretty much uh, stuck with broadcasting. Um, but but their experience in hiring team executives, uh, I think they'd be the first one to tell you, is pretty much non-existent. And so this is where I always go with folks when they want to do this. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, you know, maybe a rebuild would be great if they got it right. Um, but a, you've got to, if you're going to fire Ryan Pace, you better have some idea, um, of, of, of who the guy that you're replacing him with is and why he's going to be better. And if you're going to fire Matt Nagy, you got to have some idea of how you're going to do better. And if you're going to rebuild, you don't do that by trading for a couple of fourth round picks. You got to get extra number ones. You, you know, you got to figure out how to do that. So, you know, your concept may be good of rebuilding, um, but I don't know that, that there's a lot of Bears fans that have tremendous confidence in doing that with Ryan Pace right now or that he's earned that right. And, and so you got to start at the beginning. And um, I, I like your idea of Olin and Tom you know, becoming part of the organization, but I don't know that they're the answer um, to, to really put you in a good position to oversee this rebuild. I, and, and actually knowing both of them the way I do, um, I think they'd be the first ones to tell you that they may not want to put in the lifestyle commitment it takes to do this, you know, which is 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I mean, I know Owen, Owen's got six kids, uh, you know, and, and the oldest are still in high school. So I, I, I don't want to speak for him. I, I will ask him. I, I'm going to tell him about this call uh, on Sunday and, and see what he has to say about it, if not sooner. For all I know, he's listening right now. Um, so I'm curious to hear what they think. But, Tom, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think it is a year too soon to talk about it. I think that this defense still has the potential to be good enough for at least one more year to win playoff games. I think that the offensive line may not be quite as far away as I thought it was um, because I do think that Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer can play. And now you plug in James Daniels and 
uh, Cody Whitehair, and you, you, you may be in pretty decent shape with the interior of the offensive line. I'm not so sure that Alex Barr's best position isn't left tackle, but assuming it isn't, finding two tackles in one offseason uh, to make you better than average, maybe not a franchise left tackle, but finding two to make you better than average, that's not really all that hard. So now what you're saying is would Nick Foles be acceptable as a starting quarterback with a much improved offensive line and a few more pieces and the defense playing like we know it can. Um, I, I just, I, I'd like to see a normal year. Now we don't know that next year is going to be normal, but, but, but with the vaccines coming um, with the changes in, in Washington, and I'm not talking about anybody's politics. I'm just talking about one thing we do know is that, that Biden is going to be a lot more serious about a national response to the pandemic than Trump has been. I'm not getting into, to, you know, love one guy, hate the other guy, but I think anybody would have to agree that there is a chance that we will have a much better handle on this pandemic by the spring and by the summer. And so by the time you get to the next NFL season, maybe you've had more of an off season. Maybe you're going to have a more normal season. You know, you add a couple pieces here. I'd like to see what they can do with this defense one more year, because at that point, you're still only going to have, um, uh, well, Tayshawn Gibson's a free agent, um, but as far as guys who you know are going to be here, the only two who are going to be in their early 30s are Akeem Hicks and um, uh, and Robert Quinn. So, so, you know, Kyle's only 28. I mean, some of these guys will still be marketable next year. Um, so I want to see one more year with this team before I think about a rebuild which probably means you're going to give at least Nagy one more year. I think probably Pace, too. I don't know about that. We'll see. I want to wait four or five more weeks before we get to those conversations. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, you're talking about president of football operations potentially replacing Ryan Pace. I heard Theo Epstein's available. What do you think? You know, I I actually mentioned that when I was on the air the other day, and and I took people way back in 1983 after Jim Finks left the Chicago Bears uh, he became the vice president of the Chicago Cubs, and in 1984, they went to the playoffs for the first time in 39 years. Uh, a lot of that was done before Jim got there. Some of it was coincidental, but I don't rule it out. I'll tell you that. I, I think it's very—it's an interesting conversation. Um, you know, Theo obviously knows how to put an organization together. Uh, whether he knows who any of the bright young football minds and talent minds are, the way he did in baseball when he got to Boston, that I don't know. But it's not something that I would laugh at. I can tell you that, Mike. It's not a crazy idea at all. Um, and and whether George McCaskey, you know, would be that radical? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one to throw out there. Let's see. Uh, let, let's throw it out there and see what happens in the next couple of weeks if there's any conversation, because it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. That was Michael Rankin asking that question. He has done an outstanding job for us all tonight, uh, especially with the guest lineup. We started early with J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. We then talked some football and baseball with my buddy and fellow score uh, commentator Zach Zaidman, of course, uh, one of the voices of the Chicago Cubs here at 670 The Score. Now, visited with Casey Johnson and got in deep on the Chicago Bulls. Our very own Bruce Levine was here to check us up on both the White Sox and the Cubs. My thanks to all of them. 
most of all, though, guys, as always, my thanks to all of you for listening, for calling and texting. You are absolutely the best, most knowledgeable sports fans in the world. That's what makes 670 The Score such an outstanding radio station. Thanks so much for being with me tonight. Next up, we've got the CBS Sports Radio Network. The Grobber will be in at midnight and our great lineup all day tomorrow right here at The Score. Appreciate you being with us. I'll talk to you again Sunday with our Bet Rivers pregame and Pro Swap postgame shows around Bears Lions for now. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. All right. Well, see you later. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.